Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Coming up on today's show, we've got the latest on the Activision Blizzard debacle that Warner Brothers fighter is real and Britney has played Halo Infinite. Everybody and welcome to another episode of the What's Good Games podcast, your source for video game news, commentary, analysis, and funny stuff every Friday. I am Andrea Renee, joined by the lovely Brittany Brombacher. Hello, Andrea Renee. Hi. It's so good to have you back. I know. It feels good to be back. It's been a long time since it's just been me and you, you and I. It has been. We've been having... Just a parade of wonderful special guests on the show. And hopefully, if you are just joining us, if this is your first episode of What's Good Games, you should check out the last couple of weeks of shows. Some really wonderful special guests. And a big thank you to everybody who has taken the time to join us here on the show. It's been great. And we look forward to having some more special guests in upcoming episodes. Ooh. Secret plans. Oh. Um. But Brittany, I do want to mention, hmm. you look like you've got a new set piece. What's going on? What are you sitting on? <laughs> I really wanted to say something so fucking inappropriate just now. <laughs> like, I'll keep it together. I'll try. I'll try. I'll try. Um, I am sitting on a DX Racer Air Series chair. So I've had my, my old chair, the one that you're all very, very familiar with. I've had that chair for probably seven years. So, wow. Yeah, it had been. That's longevity for a chair. It is. And that was also, a lot of farts. It let's was just, oh, let's just call it what it farts, is. Farts, sweat, <laughs> probably like spit up for my kid, probably spit up for me, whiskey stains. Yeah, it took it like yes. a champ though. And uh, they were like, hey, we have this air, you know, this little air series out. Do you want one? And I was like, yes, please. I would love one for review and to sit on and fart on, et cetera, et cetera, um, because it's all mesh in the back. And so it's really nice because I get kind of sweaty Betty up in this bitch. I have these lights on me. And, you know, I drink when we record the show, and sometimes it gives me the whiskey sweats. You don't say. The whiskey sweats are real. I know you know what I'm talking about. But um, I do. Yeah, shout out to them. And I love it because it's pink. Look. I, the, the surprise pink when you turn to the side, I was shook. I love it. And I know that there is a contingency of people out there that don't think you know it's okay to like pink things. But we're both here to be like, um. Uh, fuck you, it we is. Love we love pink things. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> so yeah, that's my new set piece. Thanks for noticing. Yeah, no, I mean, how could I not? I think I've seen you in the other chair now 250 episodes worth. Ooh. Well, okay, that's a lie. You haven't been in that chair for all 250 episodes. You came down to the studio many times. Oh, don't remind me. <laughs> oh, someday you'll come back to the studio. Oh, soon. Someday. Soon. <sighs> Oh, boy. I just wanted to call that out, though, because it was the first thing I noticed when you got on camera. I was like, ooh, new chair. Very cool. Um, thank you to everybody for joining us. And thank you to our Patreon producers, Chewy's Godson, Alex Rogopoulos, David Icolucci, Ferris Atia, Justin Foshi, Matthew Goddard, and Punctified. And welcome to our Patreon community, Aaron West. If you want to support our voices in video games, you can do so by tossing us a couple bucks at patreon.com slash what's good games. And Brittany, it looks like we have a couple new podcast reviews. We do. We have David New, Ladybug Unicorn, which I was like trying to think, figure it out. Like, what is a Ladybug Unicorn? Now, Andrea... Is it a ladybug with a horn coming out of it? Or is it a unicorn that looks like a ladybug in print? Ooh. I don't know. I feel like I would rather see a unicorn with like a ladybug coloring. Right? That Me would too. be cool. Me too. Because like a beetle with a horn sounds not great. Ew. 
<laughs> Ew. Ew. And also to a Thank you so much for those lovely, lovely reviews. Um, you know, we did get someone who said that we have a good podcast, Andrea. And I know you saw this because you tweeted about it. Um, I but did they, tweet about it. <laughs> they gave us one star because Steimer left. They said, good podcast, but Steimer left. Here's one star. And to you, sir, madame, I say a big fuck you. Um, please don't do that. <laughs> It doesn't, it's not good for our little show here. You know, it really does affect our ratings and our spot in the little Apple algorithm. So, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, if you want to offset that person's tomfoolery, please, if you're so inclined, please leave us a five-star review. It helps us a ton. And like I tweeted, I don't normally like to highlight that kind of negativity because here at What's Good Games, we're all about positivity and things we're passionate about and that we love. But it was just, I think, such a bummer because... You and I are both exhausted because of small children in our lives. And I was just in a low place. And when the email came in with the new reviews and I saw that review, I was like, I'm like already devastated that she's gone. And then to give us a one star review for something that was completely out of our control just kind of like sent me into this spiral. So thank you to everybody who reached out and who responded to my tweet and who took the time to leave a five-star review. We do really appreciate them and are grateful, but we don't want to belabor it anymore. We know that there's some news that we have to get to. And unfortunately, we are starting with a rather melancholy story. So you probably have seen that Activision Blizzard has been in the news for not great things for about the last four months now. When Brittany and I were on maternity leave is when it really broke bad, when the lawsuit was first brought against them, and we learned details about some ongoing and systemic problems happening inside Activision Blizzard. I'm not going to recap all of that news because, quite frankly, it's a lot to recap, and there are sites that have done it far better. But the new report is from the Wall Street Journal, and it's about Bobby Kotick and how he had knowledge of what was happening when he had previously denied it. So the reports at the Wall Street Journal allege that he not only knew about what was going on in the sexual harassment allegations happening inside the company, but he also partook in them, which is real bad, (gasps) real, real bad. And it's just all around really gross and clearly indicative of a leadership problem inside Activision Blizzard. Now, I think it's really telling that we have seen statements from... PlayStation, and we've seen statements from Nintendo and Xbox, their three platform partners, all rallying around this idea that it's distressing and disturbing what's happening inside Activision. And now there are close to 1,800 employees at Activision Blizzard that have signed a petition. That petition says, we, the undersigned, no longer have confidence in the leadership of Bobby Bobby Kotick as the CEO of Activision Blizzard. The information has come to light about his behaviors and practices in the running of our companies runs counter to the culture and integrity we require of our leadership and directly conflicts with the initiatives started by our peers. We ask that Bobby Kotick remove himself as CEO of Activision Blizzard and that shareholders be allowed to select the new CEO without the input of Bobby, who we are aware owns a substantial portion of the voting rights of the shareholders. It's important that we talk about his substantial portion because Stephen Totillo over at Axios, formerly of Kotaku, did some great investigative reporting on this and said, y'all want Bobby to leave, but he's going to get a really hefty payday when he does, tweeting that Kodak stands to make a substantial amount of money if he ever did leave Activision Blizzard, but how much depends on the nature of his exit. Potentially, Kodak could earn a $292 million payout (sighs) upon his departure. How fucked? Which is just like salt in the wound, right? This idea that he is now really implicated in some really awful allegations and that when he does step down, which hopefully will happen sooner than later with all of the people calling for his resignation, that he gets to leave with a golden parachute. And that... Is wealth in America, everybody. Corruption. It's, you know, it's just so fucked. It's so messed up. And last, I think it was last week, I just kind of put out a little tweet because, you know, I like getting the feel of how people are thinking and taking news and whatnot. I said, you know, like, realistically, and this was before Nintendo had said anything or behind the scenes, 
what do you think is going to happen to Bobby Kotick? And yeah, like that was 99% of the responses is he'll get to exit with a golden parachute. He'll leave a very, very rich man. And yeah, you know what? But let's just get his fucking ass out of there at this point, right? Like you got to go, dude, and take your golden parachute, live your best life, buy an island. I mean, whatever, just leave. Just like, yeah, just go, sir. Like you are not wanted here. And it's fascinating. I don't, let me know if you can remember, but I don't remember the last time the big three kind of never, there's never been a joint statement. It's all kind of, you know, memos to the company that they internal all internal memos. Internal and memos. Not been public statements really right. either. They've been internal statements that have been leaked. Right. And it's like they have to know that stuff is going to leak, of course. So they know it's going to go public. But I can't remember this when this has ever happened before when. The, all three have really kind of like joined up unless it was for like a public event. Do you know what I'm trying to say here? So, um, yeah, it's just more of a, more of a cultural thing across many companies, not calling out a specific action at a specific company. Correct. So yeah, I mean, I'll ask you, Andrew, the same thing. What do you think is going to happen here? Like realistically, it's interesting to think about the timeline for his exit. Cause he's going to exit, right? The, Stock price is going down, and as long as it continues to go down, shareholders are going to say, hey, we're hemorrhaging price on the company and on your exit package. So you have to make a decision on when to go. And when you have that many employees calling for your resignation, it's impossible to ignore. I did see that there was also a number of shareholders who had called for his resignation, which sometimes carries more weight. But the amount of shares that those holders collectively hold was, I don't think, a very really small amount. Yeah, yeah, big enough to to sway either way. But I would hope that as CEO, if eight almost eighteen hundred, it's I think it's like one thousand seven hundred ninety four at the time of the podcast airing or recording of your employees have called for you to step down, how do you ignore that? How do you turn a blind eye to that and say, I know what I'm doing, what you want doesn't matter. Now, I appreciate that as CEO of a major corporation like Activision Blizzard, you can't be at the whims of your employees, but this is not that, right? This is not a rallying cry from a small group of people with an edge case kind of cause. This is a really big deal. This is a systemic thing that's happening throughout our industry. And I like to remind people throughout the world, turns out sexual harassment is just a thing that is pervasive pervasive and sadly ubiquitous. Like I hate that I have to call that out. And I know that gaming gets a bad rap for it being bad, but I like to remind people like this is not a gaming problem. Mm-hmm. This is a life problem world problem this is this just exists everywhere (laughs) and you know both Brittany and i have undergone you know sexual harassment in our lifetime in our careers and in the video game space specifically and so we obviously stand with the people at activision blizzard who are calling for his resignation it just is exhausting quite honestly and i get that there's a lot at stake that we don't know about when it comes to their org chart and hierarchy and all that jazz but dude like read the room read the room and just, <laughs> right yeah and just you know shout out to everyone who's spoken up this is never easy mm-hmm. and to get this kind of ball rolling and get this momentum took a lot of brave voices so thank you and uh man i just just hope he gets the fuck <laughs> yeah dude you made your money good job Go Pat away. yourself on the back Take your take your exit payday and you know b- go hang out with Elon Musk or something. Like that. <laughs> um, all right, moving on to more interesting, fun stories. One of the stories that Brittany and I covered a couple weeks ago turned out to be not just a rumor but a real thing. Oh my God. Multiverses was announced and it will feature Batman, Shaggy, Bugs Bunny, Arya Stark, <laughs> Steven Universe and more. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, that <laughs> Warner Brothers game leaked fighting game. It's a real game. It's a real thing. Uh, So let me read just a couple highlights from the Game Informer post about this. Warner Brothers has announced that Multiverse is going to be a free-to-play platform fighter featuring 
team-based 2v2 combat between famous characters, Batman, Bugs Bunny, and more. Okay, hold on. I'm just going to, okay, Batman versus Bugs Bunny. Like, come on. What the fuck? What's Bugs going to do? Throw a carrot at Batman's, like, the little space where his eyes are exposed? Like, how does Bugs Bunny have a flaming chance in hell? I, I, you know, Brittany, that is a great question. I wish that I... I guess we'll find uh, out. <laughs> I wish I had an answer. <laughs> um, but it's just... It's just wacky. Mm. So they released this video oh last week. <laughs> and... It was a, actually a pretty lengthy look at the game, and clearly this looks a lot like Super Smash Bros., which everyone's calling it a Smash knockoff, but oh. <laughs> let, me, let me remind everybody that this game is not the first Smash knockoff, nor will it be the last, and I don't think that there's anything wrong with a video game making a competing game that's very similar. I mean, look at all the battle royales out there, right? Like, I think it's I think it's fine as long as they do something. Brittany can't stop laughing because, like, the character lineup is just, is just crazy. So, continuing from the Game Informer article, perhaps one of the year's worst-kept secrets, Multiverses has been heavily rumored, uh, with apparent leaks appearing on social media and elsewhere, but now it's official. You're going to be able to destroy Batman by throwing Jerry at him while playing as Tom. Dreams really do come true. <laughs> In uh, this very Smash Bros-like way, players will fight on different theme stages based on characters within the game. You're going to be able to play in 1v1 clashes alongside the game's standard 2v2 mode. Plus, there's a four-player free-for-all mode alongside the games, or excuse me, packaged in as well. Uh, one fascinating feature about Multiverses is the voice cast. It features many of the original or best-known voice actors for these characters, including icons like Kevin Conroy as Batman, Tara Strong as Harley Quinn. We've got Maisie Williams as her character Arya Stark from Game of Thrones. And of course, the list goes on. Multiverses is going to release on PlayStation 5, Xbox Series X and S, PlayStation 4, Xbox One, and PC with crossplay and dedica dedicated server rollback netcode and a content-filled season starting in 2022. Wow. Okay. You know what? I'll just say, like, this does not look bad. Watching the gameplay, like, it doesn't look awful. I, I don't hate it. I'm not mad at it. But what I'm looking for, and this is something I know Andrea feels very strongly about, is the HUD. Is it going to be like a Smash Bros style, style percentage platform fighter or like how how do you kick each other's ass? Like if I'm playing as Batman and I want to kick Jerry's ass, like how do I know I'm succeeding at that? Besides the fact that, you know, it's Tom and Jerry. Um, interesting. You know? Yeah, I'm guessing the reason like a lot of like a lot of games why they don't include HUD in early gameplay is that they're still doing balancing on how all of that's going to work. I'm assuming that we're going to get an official look at this next year. Maybe this is an E3 deep dive reveal and then it has a summer or fall release. I do think it's fascinating that they're releasing it as a free-to-play game. And I don't know how I feel about it. I never would have anticipated them doing a game like this as free-to-play because that to me smacks of them building in microtransactions. Right. Which, obviously, every game has some kind of... Okay, I take that back. I've, not every game. A lot of games. Most games <laughs> have microtransactions now, whether they're cosmetic or not. And I think that a game like this clearly is going to have a lot of cosmetics, mm -hmm. costumes and whatnot. So that makes sense to me, but... I don't know. Uh, I just free to play fighting games are just not a commonplace thing. Right. And I mean, that's when it's going to really get like in the weeds. Like, you know, is there a progression system? Are there going to be items that you can purchase? Can you turn those items off? Like there's just so much when it comes to this specific genre of games that you, it could be as simple as, okay, just different skins and costumes. All right, whatever. But it could also get real ugly real fast. So Keep an mm -hmm. eye on it, but hopefully not. Hopefully no one goes that route again. You would think everyone's learned their lesson, but you know, Andrea, this industry never ceases to surprise me. It's true. It never does. Well, <laughs> I, can't, I can't believe it's I, real. I just like... <laughs> I mean, it's just... I did appreciate people putting in their like dream Warner Brothers characters mm -hmm. from underneath the Warner Media umbrella, like who they want to see <laughs> come oh, to this who game. Who was the, the wizard man? That we talked about. G Gandalf. Gandalf, yeah. I, I wonder yeah. if Gandalf will make... You know what this reminds me of? This is what I want to do. So back in the day, Andrea Renee, 
Uh-huh. I had a PlayStation demo disc for Madden. Oh, I don't know what it was, like 96 or something. And what I would do, you remember those old demo discs you would get in magazines? Oh yeah, oh, yeah, absolutely. I would pop it in, and you only had like two game options, but I would pit the AI against each other. So in, in the NFL offseason, I would select the Seahawks, and I would have them play some random team. It would be AI versus AI, and it was like I was watching a football game because I was very desperate in the offseason. What I want to do with this, and I don't know if they'll let you do this because I feel like it's not really a thing most fighting games offer, is put like AI versus AI, like my most dream fight fighting like opponents, like Batman versus Superman, or Shaggy versus Arya Stark, and then just like have a fucking betting ring and make bank and see who's going to win. You know, if you want to get in on this business venture, let me know. I like this. I like where your head's at. I think that we could make something something cool happen. We'd have to figure out how to do it legally, though. We could just stream it and just kind of like, you know, DM shady links to our patrons on the DL. (laughs) (laughs) Just take do- take donations for guesses. <laughs> donations, exactly. <laughs> we'll figure out some. We'll figure out some way to do it where it doesn't land either of us in jail. Mm. Yeah. All right. Next story. But before we get to that, I want to let you know that this episode of What's Good Games is brought to you by Honey. We all shop online. Let's be honest. During the pandemic, maybe we've been shopping a little too much online. If your cardboard bin looks as stuffed as mine does, then maybe you have been saving money with Honey. You guys know about the promo code that just taunts you at checkout. And then you go to Google and you're like typing in where is the promo code and you get this list of websites with a bunch of promo codes that don't work. You just waste your time. Well, stop that. Because thanks to Honey, manually searching for coupon codes is a thing of the past. Honey is the free shopping tool that scours the internet for promo codes and applies the best one to your cart. They support over 30,000 stores online ranging from tech and gaming products to popular fashion brands and even food delivery. Now, imagine you're shopping at one of your favorite sites. For me, maybe it's Wayfair.com or Old Navy or Sephora. Maybe now you know my shopping habits. And when you're at checkout, the Honey button drops down and all you have to do is click Apply Coupons. You wait a few seconds and Honey searches the coupons it can find for that site. And if it finds a working coupon, boom, watch the prices drop. So I was recently shopping for baby clothes on Gap because they have some really cute holiday jammies, let me just say. And I used Honey and saved myself $3 on a single pair of pajamas. Boom. Feeling really good about it. Am I spending more money on my baby's clothes than my own? Maybe. (laughs) But that's a conversation for another time. Honey has found it's over 17 million members, over $2 billion in savings. Now, if you don't already have Honey, you could be straight up missing out on free savings. It's literally free and it installs in seconds. And by getting it, you'll be doing yourself a solid and supporting this podcast. Win-win. Now, I never recommend something I don't use and I use Honey. I have so much Honey Gold saved up in my account. I can't wait to get some gift cards with it. And you can get some for yourself by getting honey for free at joinhoney.com slash what's good. That's joinhoney.com slash what's good so that they know what's good game sent ya. Brittany, our last story that I want to talk about before we get to a couple in case you missed it is one that always seems to come up every couple of months. It's about Star Citizen. Now they've officially crossed $400 million oh, raised. God. <laughs> Let that sink in for a second. $400 million. That is quite a budget for a video game. Yeah. It's one of the biggest budgets, I would I would say, in recent memory, mm-hmm. right? Like, that's like a Rockstar Games level budget or a Call a of Duty budget, yeah. a Halo Infinite budget, uh-huh, right? Uh-huh, mm-hmm. That, to me, is really bananas that they've raised that much. So Eurogamer has a little write-up. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but essentially the money raised comes from over 3.3 million backers, according to Robert Space Industries' website. Developer Cloud Imperium Games reveals the money comes down, money comes in down to the hour. Yesterday, just yesterday, (laughs) and this is yesterday when the article was written, the 19th of November... Just in one day, everybody, 
$877,891. Almost a million dollars in a single day. Just one day. Cool. That's bonkers. That's wild. It's taken eight months to make around $50 million in the last um, eight months they've made it. Oh my gosh, only eight months to make $50 million. <laughs> we, we make that with one of our podcast episode, Andrea. <laughs> I know, right? Oh, uh, I see you have acquired a beverage. Good for you. Uh, Star Citizen's long and controversial development is well documented, and developmental chief Chris Roberts has come under fire for years now for failing to release the game or even provide a target release date. Star Citizen remains in alpha nine years years after its initial crowdfunding effort began. Cloud Imperium Games makes money by selling starter packs, subscriptions, and virtual spaceships. This is really interesting to me. Every time I see a story about Star Citizen, I'm like, how is this game not out yet? Wait, this game is truly still an alpha? Wow. This many years later? And what of Squadron 42, the cinematic single-player story adventure featuring Hollywood stars? Well, a year ago in October 2020, Roberts admitted that they still have a ways to go before Squadron 42 even hits beta. Squadron 42 is currently seven years behind its original delivery target. So you can't blame COVID. No. You can't blame COVID. Oh, seven years ago, man. We were in the prime of our lives. Oh, wow. Um... We were. We were young and, and beautiful. <laughs> and now we're old but still beautiful, we're, right? Yes, yeah, yes, exactly. That's what I was going to say. Duh. Yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> Star Citizen, also, in case you were curious, is having a special event. The Intergalactic Aerospace Expo 2951 is happening from now until December 1st. This is where you can try out some spaceships. So typically, you have to pay $45 to access one of the game's basic ships. However, in like a real life car show, you can let yourself try 120 different flyable ships from different fictional manufacturers all for free as part of their promotional event. I I have so many questions. Um but I think like my most burning question is the thing that you tweeted about. How do people feel about this? That of back this well i'm glad that you asked so let me pull from some of my twitter replies at whiskey jack 98 says i backed it eight years ago still waiting for the squadron 42 campaign to be released wow so let me pull up the squadron have you ever seen this no. squadron 42 trailer uh-uh. let me tell you it looks it looks real good okay it looks like really really good but I'm concerned, like a lot of backers, that like, why, why is it never, why is it never going to come out? So this is a cinematic that they released a couple. Let's see here, they released this in 2018. This cinematic <laughs> okay. that I'm oh. gonna, about about to All show right. you. So you know, three years ago, um, and I'll let you guys check out the cinematic if you're watching at YouTube.com/slash What's Good Games. You can also just you know find it on YouTube yourself. While I go through a couple more of these tweets. Um, at Amanda Gorecki, um, or excuse me, at the Starbuck, says, I want to play Squadron 42 so bad. The cast. But I feel like my almost three-year-old is going to graduate college before it happens. Um, That is really crazy. Um, This looks real pretty. So let's see here. I see what you're saying. Right? It looks really, really good. Huh. So we see... Um, at Timothy uh, Pecoraro says, most people I know who play are so heavily invested that they may as well be PR for the game at this point. Oh, boy. That, is that what you call, like, denial? Like, I pledged and I'm so proud to, like, I will never say that this game could do any wrong, so therefore I'm going to, like, stand for it forever? Or is that just, like, it's literally good what they've played? Like, I want to know the mindset of these folks. Well... At me test says it's not a game. At best, it's a sandbox alpha of an MMO. Ooh. The single player wing commander has been pushed aside for the MMO portion, which has come way after the single player. Each build eats up more system resources. I'm at the point my system can't run it. Oh boy! Yikes! Huh? I mean, it looks really this, good. At Miles Underwood says, I know the the. 
animation in this CG trailer is really like off the charts. It looks real, real good. And of course, the cast looks phenomenal. So at Miles Underwood tweets and says, I've been playing for a few years. When it all works, you see the vision and I become a true believer. There are many things that are unfinished, but it's been enjoyable to watch the progress they have made on tech that has never been attempted before. I want them to succeed. Mm, okay. Yeah, I mean, I think we all want them to, to succeed, right? I mean, what I'm seeing right it looks very impressive. But then again, I mean, this is just a CG trailer for something that came out in 2018, like you said. Uh, yes, there is, I believe, a gameplay trailer that came out where there was some gameplay. But this, that was three years ago. Here's some pre-alpha gameplay from somebody. Ooh, there's a visual teaser from Star Citizen. Let me see if I can pull yeah. this up. Um. Oh, no, this is really just, let's see here. Is this gameplay or is this more, this looks like more cinematic to me. This doesn't look like actual gameplay. gameplay. Now, let me get to the, um, let me go to their website and see if I can get some gameplay for you guys. Show us the gameplay. Because there's certainly no shortage of content that's being put out on their YouTube channel for sure. But I think the idea that it still is in alpha is is bonkers. Let me pull up just a couple more tweets. Um, at um, Nams YT says, I paid for it in early access. I have an RTX 3080 and a Ryzen 7 5800X. I get like 15 to 20 FPS while walking around space stations. Yikes. <laughs> this game will never actually come out and is straight up one of the biggest scams in gaming. Ooh. I hope I'm wrong. I hope they deliver, but yeah. Oh, no, that is not good to hear. Interesting. I'm going to have to do some deep diving on this because I've seen it making the news and I'm like, eh, whatever. But now I'm very curious. Now that we're talking about it, I want to know, like, how often do they communicate with their fans and backers? You know, like. Right. Uh, hmm. Interesting. The Ghost Dog 420 says, I've given them about a thousand bucks over the years, so I highly doubt I'll ever get my money's worth out of the game. Oh, that's sad. But at DePoets, Terrence says, I'm a big fan of the current state of Star Citizen. It's more immersive than any console game and cheaper as well at only 40 to $45 to get an initial game package. And it's actually free to play right now through December 1st, the uh, event that I mentioned. Best played with friends too. Okay. I, th I think it's interesting that it requires such beefy PC resources to play. I'm not sure how feasible that is long term. And the idea that this game would ever come to console is like, LOL, probably <laughs> never. Um, but <laughs> we'll, we'll see. But I wanted to bring this up because every time we do an update on this game, it's because they've raised another crazy amount of money. And hitting a $400 million crowdfunding mark is wow. Bonkers. Wow. Well, Andrew, I think the moral yeah. of the story here is uh, I, I don't want to be bitter. I'm sorry. I'm sleep deprived. I'm not going <laughs> to... I'm not going to be bitter. I'm just going to sip my whiskey. <gasps> Cheers. Listen, we've all backed something that never came to fruition. I've backed a couple failed Kickstarters in my time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, uh, you know, I'm not saying that this is a failed Kickstarter. No. Clearly, they have stuff to show for it. But I think what's interesting about this is how they just keep delaying the game right. they just they they don't and it's interesting because we just had this conversation last week with three wonderful devs about the challenges of the dev cycle and Alyssa uh associate producer at that's no moon was talking about as a producer how it's you get to this point where you just have to you know stop production right. right and how the best point of the development cycle for her is the very beginning when all of the timelines are intact and their calendar and their scheduling is all fresh and new and everything looks good before it all gets messed <laughs> up and inevitably like that always happens to every game is that they you know things get cut things get shifted and all the timelines get messed up but i mean to have your timeline be that you're an alpha for nine years is bananas so. Right, especially a, a backed game like this. The, that's usually all the red flags go up. But uh, like one of the tweets said, it sounds like the folks who are playing it just want to believe in it so much that they're basically the PR at this point and they just want to believe. You know what? I hope yeah. you get what you want. Yeah. I mean, if you're that financially invested, yeah. you kind of can't walk away, no. right? You just got to ride it to the end. Ride it to the end. Remain optimistic. 
<laughs> That's right. Well, hopefully, if people are interested, you can check it out while it's in its free period until December 1st. See what you think. And if you are playing Star Citizen and you have things to contribute to this conversation that you think is pertinent, mm-hmm. send us an email. Contact at whatsgoodgames.com or you can tweet to us at whatsgood underscore games. Now, a couple quick, in case you missed it, Kojima Productions has opened a division to release movie, TV, and music. Shocking nobody. (laughs) Kojima-san is now going to move to Hollywood. Yep. Jeff Keighley and him are going to be roomies. Aww. Isn't that cute? Little bromance. It is cute. Bosom buddies. It's great. I know. That's we may have just made that yeah, up. But it's that's okay. Um, we'll obviously update you if we hear any more, but no surprise. He's been kind of telegraphing that he wants to move that direction for a while. I don't think that this is an, is an indication that he's leaving games. Mm-mm. I just think that he's, you know, diversifying transmedia. Yeah, there we go. The I think this is great. I think that he all has the cool kids like ew. to use. I think he has a very fascinating brain, and I hope he comes up with a lot of horror stuff. Like, that's kind of what I want. I yeah. want to see, like, what can he make? Lots of cool, interesting things that'll probably give me nightmares and scar me forever, but that's okay. I stand by the Death Stranding could have been a really great series, like a Netflix series instead of a video game. I mean, I know that there's a lot of people who really enjoy Death Stranding's game mechanics, but I think that that story and the cutscenes in the writing was really fascinating mm-hmm. and would have made for a great series that I could just sit and watch and not have to, you know, deliver. <laughs> Do you remember when we played that for like the first time? I think we got our codes when I was at your house doing some like shooting or something. And we were very tipsy, maybe drunk. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> yes, I remember. <laughs> I got so mad. I got so mad at the TV. You got so mad. I remember John was just watching us like, you hot messes. What are you doing? I don't, all I barely, I have a blip of a memory of me like getting very lost on a bridge. (laughs) I don't remember where I was going. I just think I never got to my destination. Uh, just kept getting stuck on the geometry. I was like, why is this tiny little rock so slippery? Like, stopping me. <laughs> just falling over. Did I hit a blade of grass wrong? What's going on? It's like everything's made of slippery slope. Soap. It's not grass. Oh my God. It's dove. I'm so angry. Oh. <laughs> oh, all right. That was a fun time. Come back, Brittany. Let's get drunk and play video games yes. in my living room again. Um, and Halo Infinite's co-op campaign has been pushed to May 2022. Oh, this is some sad news, This makes man. me so, so sad. So <sighs> co-op is still coming with Season 2's launch, but Seasons 2 launch just got pushed another three months to May 2022, so therefore we're all assuming that that means that co-op campaign is not coming until then, and oh my god. I mean, I'll talk about this, obviously, uh, in the next segment, but after playing, you know, four or five missions of Halo Infinite, it is just so fucking tragic that this game is not launching with campaign co-op. So tragic. And I'll talk about more in the well, next segment. But. Let's get to the next segment. Stick with us, everybody. We'll be right back. This episode of What's Good Games is brought to you by HelloFresh. Have you tried America's number one meal kit yet? With HelloFresh, you get fresh pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. Skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. And that's why, friends, it's America's number one meal kit. HelloFresh offers 50 menu and market items to choose from every week, including vegetarian, calorie-smart, and gourmet options, providing plenty of varieties so you can skip trips to the grocery store and avoid long holiday lines. And let me tell you, they are long already. (laughs) Very, very long speaking from experience. Recipes like balsamic and fig beef tenderloin or pecan crusted salmon make holiday meals feel special and without the high cost of dining out or delivery. Or go for cozy comfort food choice like chicken sausage and sweet potato soup for a cold winter night. HelloFresh Market has the season's entertaining covered with options like their holiday cheese and charcuterie board and skinny dipped dark chocolate peppermint almonds. Ooh. Save on average over $65 per month when you order HelloFresh instead of going grocery shopping. That's more money to spend on presents and activities. Speaking of cozy meals for a cold winter night, Andrea over here in Washington, it has rained for like a week straight and it has been getting down to the 30s and it is cold. So my husband, I know, my husband has been downstairs making sweet corn and red pepper chowder. And delicious. I know, right? It's just like, it's one of those things. I'm not really a soup person, but this time of year, 
especially on these cold, rainy nights. Clutch. Absolutely clutch. Cozy. Cozy, very cozy. So you can go to HelloFresh.com slash What's Good 14 and use code What's Good 14 for up to 14 free meals and three free gifts. Try America's number one meal kit for yourself by going to HelloFresh.com slash What's Good 14 and use code What's Good 14 for up to 14 free meals and three free gifts. This episode of What's Good Games is also brought to you by Fixture Gaming. Are all these Nintendo releases getting you hyped to play your Switch this fall? Or are you already obsessed with your Switch like we are here at What's Good Games? Whether it's Metroid Dread or Animal Crossing New Horizons New Update or my latest Switch game, Unpacking, you can enhance your playing experience with the perfect Nintendo Switch accessory, the Fixture S1. The Fixture S1 was created by gamers for gamers who love the Nintendo Switch and their Pro Controller but want to be able to play on the go. The original patented design connects the Nintendo Switch to the Pro Controller for more comfortable, precise, portable play, offering a great alternative to Joy-Cons. Now, it's designed to be exceptionally ergonomic. It balances the screen weight directly over your hands, reducing screen rotation and minimizing strain on the wrists. And the Fixture S1's patented two-axis design provides stability and balance in any playing position for optimal comfort and gaming performance. All you gotta do, snap your Pro Controller into the Fixture S1 for handheld play, or you can use it as a stand in tabletop mode. In either mode, you can charge the Switch to the Pro Controller at the same time, and the Fixture S1's thoughtful design routes the power cords out the back so they never interfere with that fast and furious play. For when you're on the go, you can upgrade your Fixture S1 experience with their companion carrying case that securely holds your Switch cables and game cards, perfect for any travel that you're doing over the holiday season. Now, even though I've mentioned that I've been stuck at home, I am I'm traveling for the holiday, so I'm very excited to test out my companion carrying case for the first time. If you want to learn more about the Fixture S1, head to FixtureGaming.com, where you can get $5 off your purchase with code WGG at checkout, or you can visit Fixture Gaming's Amazon page by clicking our link in the show notes. That's Fixture Gaming, F-I-X-T-U-R-E, gaming.com, where code WGG gets you $5 off of your purchase, or use our link in the show notes to visit Fixture Gaming on Amazon so they know that What's Good Games sent you. And it makes a really nifty gift if you're looking for a holiday gift idea. Brittany, you mentioned that you have been playing Halo Infinite. So last week, something we didn't mention in the news portion of the show, because it was a full week ago, over a full week ago, Microsoft Stealth, or not so stealth, dropped the multiplayer beta for Halo Infinite. And I haven't gotten enough time to play to give my impressions on that. But you were part of a select group of media who got to get a sneak peek at the Halo Infinite campaign <laughs> because Xbox invited you to play. So tell me all of the details. So first of all, thank you, Xbox. Very much appreciate the opportunity to play Halo Infinite. So what I got to play, just to reiterate, is the first four campaign missions. I have it written down here. The forward operating bases, FOBs, Golf, and Foxtrot. Those are kind of like outposts. Think of them that way. High-value targets, Briglard and Okra Vagadoon, basically like important covenant, or sorry, banished that you have to kill, shoot in the head, and then banished outpost ransom keep. So it's it's hard to even know like when the, how, how do I even start talking about Halo Infinite other than I'll just say, and I tweeted this, it fucking rules. I am having so much fun with Halo Infinite. Um, after Halo 5, it was a very... There's a lot of mixed reception to it. Um, you know, the story that I feel like ended in Halo 4, the peak tension with uh, Chief and Cortana, what was going on with her. You start up Halo 5, and now you're introduced to Team Osiris and um, Spartan Locke and his whole crew. And then, you know, you only played a few missions as, as Chief, and you're kind of learning what's going on with Cortana. And now it's it, very mixed reception. It wasn't the, the most highly received Halo. I enjoyed it, but regardless. And now you have Halo Infinite. And this is kind of the where do you go from Halo 5? Like how do you like how do you like how do you get back to your roots? And they're just 343 is going about it in such a big way. You know, this game has it's, it's open world and you have side quests and you can tackle missions and side missions and bases in any order that you want to and it works. And I think the thing that I was the most 
concerned about is how is an open world Halo going to play? Is it going to be a bloated landscape with little to nothing to do in between? Is it just there for the buzzword? And it's interesting. I think 343 strikes this really great balance of there's plenty to do on a map, but the space to get from point A to point B isn't large and it doesn't feel bloated and it doesn't feel like it's just there for the sake of being there. You know, you might want to go from point A to point B and on the way you find a group of banished perusing a trail or maybe you find an audio log or maybe you find a little, you know, like a, a story that's set up in terms of like the level design. Maybe you see a dead Marine somewhere and next to them is an audio log and next to them is a dead banished. Like, it works so well, Andrea. So th- th- when you first start Halo Infinite, and I'll be very light with spoilers, don't worry, because again, I only played the first four missions and they go by pretty quick. And I've done these missions a couple times now. The thing that like striked me at first was just how much it felt like old school Halo, you know, and 343's whole thing right now is it's mass- all Master Chief all the time. You play as Master Chief, you're not, I mean, unless something changes like later on for like a story narrative reason, like you're not going to be playing as someone else for a majority of the game. And like, I don't think that happens. They think they've made very, very clear about that. But you have like the HUD, you have the environments, you have these very like Halo-esque set pieces and the level designs are just so good for, you know, what they're trying to do in terms of like, you know, if, if you're on a warship, for example, like it's not boring levels. It's it's all very like different and unique and it lends itself so well to the gunplay and the sounds and the grapple hook works so good. I wasn't sure how I was going to like the grappling hook, but it is just so much fun to use that thing and pull a, a coil towards you and throw it as a huge grenade towards all the banished. Anyway, the sound design, the guns, the banished, the banter between the banished, you have the grunts, you have the elites, you have the brutes. It's like, it literally feels like the next big step for Halo, you know? And I know a lot of folks are so sick of the Breath of the Wild comparison, and in no way am I saying that Halo Infinite's like Breath of the Wild in terms of open world, but you know, kind of like what Breath of the Wild did for Zelda, I feel like Halo Infinite does for Halo. And Wow, that's really big praise. Yeah, I mean, it's just, there's just, I can't think of anything about Halo Infinite that I'm not a fan of. And I'm <laughs> I'm really trying to think, like, what don't I like about it? What needs work? And this, this is because of a question we got. I don't know yet. Granted, you know, I can't talk about anything past what, I've, what I can talk about, right? Um, but so far, I haven't seen anything that's had me, like, a little concerned. It just has me eager to play more. And the other thing that it's just, it feels so much like Halo, and I say, like, you know, it feels like traditional Halo is that, you know, Master Chief now has this new AI partner named Weapon. And it reminds me so much of the Cortana Chief banter that we got in all the Halos, minus five, where you really get to see Chief kind of grow as a character. You know, between those one-liners that he has, there's so much personality that's kind of unraveled from that. And you have Weapon, who's like this upbeat kind of fun quirky AI and then you have Chief who is just the most like I don't know what how you would describe Chief there's there's a really good word out there for him but you know he's just so like matter of fact and so no nonsense but she kind of brings this side out of him and that was one of my favorite things about the the Halo 1 through 4 and that's one of the reasons why I was so kind of bummed out about 5 is you don't have that Cortana Chief banter back and forth and I felt like Chief stopped progressing as a character in 5 because of that but I feel like now with Infinite you know he's on this trajectory to really finding and discovering a different side of himself or at least we the players are going to um so I'm going to stop there, Andrea. Let me know if you have any questions, because I feel like I could just ramble right now. No, I, I I think it's been really interesting listening to you talk about it, because clearly a lot of other people who played the campaign preview had glowing things to say about it as well, which I think is really encouraging, knowing that the delays have been such a bummer for fans waiting, and the look we got at the Xbox showcase last summer... Yeah was left people kind of on the fence, right? A lot of people were like, I don't know how I feel about this. I think a lot of diehard Halo fans were like, I'm all in. And then there was a big contingent of people who were like, well, I don't know how I feel about this. But I think this is a really good beefy look at what we can expect from Halo. And I think that it's important that they 
hold tight to some of the tenants that made this franchise so beloved with their fans, but they had to innovate and do things differently. I would ask you, Britt, did it feel a little bit like what Gears 5 was doing with their open world where it felt manageable? It sounds like it did. Like that there's like not a lot of unnecessary exploration, but there's just enough. Yeah, so... When you're exploring the open world, there are a few things that you primarily want to do, and that's the whole point of exploring, is you have the, again, forward operating bases, the FOBs, and those think of those as outposts. And what you're going to do is you're going to get to those outposts, and you're going to destroy all the banished that are there. Um, there's probably a, an audio log around there as well, but regardless, you you kill all of the banished, and you claim it as yours. And then at that point, it kind of becomes this like home base that you can fast travel to. And when you're there... And as you earn something that's called Valor, which think of like kind of like experience points, but Chief doesn't necessarily level up for them. It just unlocks new things that you can unlock at these fobs, um, whether it's a warthog or maybe it's a ghost or maybe it's a special marine. And when you're there, you know, you can beckon them and have them for whatever reason. You know, you can just summon one and go out into the world with your bad self. So like that's one thing you're going to do. And once you complete those, they the map shows you what's around you. And so maybe it'll be a Spartan core. And now these are, think of like, these are, this is the progression system. As you find Spartan cores, you can level up your gear. So the gear that I can talk about is the grappling hook, the shield core. And I can talk about, oh, I can't remember what it's called. It's essentially, it's like a wall hack. Think of it that way. And each item has four levels to it, and maybe the first unlockable will be require one core. The second one will require two or three, right? And it just enhances that item's abilities. Um, so those are the, some things you can find in the world. The other thing you can find is a cosmetic armor that you can use in multiplayer. There, It also shows if there are any keeps around. Um, and keeps, think of them as like beefier versions of outposts where you actually have an objective. So the one keep I can talk about was Ransom Keep and it was a it was a lot to take on as one person. Like there was tons and tons of banished, but you had to essentially raise these pylons and destroy the pylons. And of course they're on opposite ends of you know the the bait of the keep. And so you know you're fighting banished um every which way you turn. So there's a lot to do, but it never feels like you said, it never feels like it's too much. It's and this is kind of where I get back to, like like I was saying in the last segment, I wish so badly that there was co-op. And I wish, I mean, it's coming, right? But I wish it was launching with it because I'm having so much fun just wandering around the ring and doing these fobs, doing these keeps, um, taking down these high-value targets and unlocking really cool weapons. And what a blast it would be to have your co-op partner there next to you using the grapple hook to scale, like, these huge vertical mountainsides and just explore and get lost in this world it's oddly peaceful because it's not like everywhere you look there's action going on you know you can really take it all in but you can get to the action very quickly if you want to or you can just hoof it and go from point a to point b and uh man like i just so wish that it was launching with campaign co-op but it's not and you know to that note i've never played a halo game by myself it's just never been something I've been interested in. To me, Halo has always been something that you play with another person. So I was really curious to know how much I was going to enjoy playing this by myself because like, I've never done that before. And like, I can't put the controller down. I just can't. It is just a blast. And I'm so interested in the narrative. And just wandering around the Halo is just, like I said, oddly calming and therapeutic. And you kind of lose yourself in it. Uh, despite there not being a huge variety of landscape around, you know, it's mostly grass and, you know, trees and y'all know how I am with trees and blue sky and whatnot, but everything feels organic and it's fun to just get to where you're going. And I think that's really interesting because we've seen a lot of maps and I'm, you know, I'm not going to say Ubisoft is, you know, the worst at this, but where the maps are just huge and ginormous. And sometimes it feels like things are just there for the sake of being there. And I really don't get that sensation with Infinite. So <sighs> I think that that's great. And I know that there's a big contingent of people who really want that bloat in a map because it's a lot of 
items that they can tick off a list and there's a satisfaction mm -hmm. to going and getting all those collectibles and exploring the world. And I don't think every game needs to have really extensive exploration in their open world to justify the landscape. I don't think that that's necessary. I think that there's a place for games that have traversal as part of their exploration and you don't need to go and find like a chest around every corner, right? right. I think even when you talk about a game like Breath of the Wild, there's so much of that map where there was nothing, right? Where there's just literally you and your thoughts. And maybe you ran into like a Korok seed, but probably not. You know, you would climb up a place and you'd be like, there's got to be one up here. And then there was nothing. Um, but I think that there's a happy medium to strike there. And it sounds like Halo Infinite is hitting that happy medium, mm -hmm. which I think is great. I lament with you as well that it's a bummer because would, this would have been such a fun game to play co-op with you and something that I think we would have really had a great time doing. And I don't think that it is going to take away for people to be able to play it solo. And then I think it you know, just means that when you go to play co-op, you can up the difficulty and <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. have a little bit more fun with it. And... I'm excited for this game to come out. I think that it's such a tentpole for Xbox. My concern about this game is that it's not going to be enough to really drive people to continue to buy Xbox hardware, though. Mm -hmm. That's the thing that I'm like, well, is this an Xbox Series X-worthy game? Do you think it is? Interesting. Xbox Series X-worthy game. I mean, from what I've played so far, I mean... Yeah, I really do think it is. I think this is just, it's hard to believe because I feel like whenever we see titles that have gone through development hell, they rarely, Cyberpunk, <clears throat> come out the other end. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. it was worth the wait. And so far, I feel like Halo Infinite is 100% worth, worth the wait. And that's just a wild, wild thing to say. And again, I want to reiterate, only, you know, the first four campaign missions in, who knows, I don't know how long this game is. Who knows if the scenery is going to get repetitive toward the end, if doing fobs over and over again are going to get like boring after a while. Who could say? But as of right now, I, I just want to go play it. But unfortunately, the build has been taken away from me. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, no more game for no you, No more Brittany. game for me. And oh my God, it is just so fun. And I'm finding so many fun Easter eggs. And I know the internet's spoiling some of them, but like, I don't want to do that. Because when you find them, you're like, ha, huh, that's brilliant. And it is brilliant. And I think it just, it, you know, what's interesting is I feel like Xbox has such a unique voice when it comes to their social interaction with their fan base and just the way they present themselves. And, you know, Phil Spencer, I think gets a lot of credit for that, as he should. And it's like, as you're playing Halo Infinite, like some of that kind of seeps through, if that makes sense. And maybe it's the Easter eggs I've seen, but I'm like, yeah, you guys are like, they're really leaning into, you know, what they're all about and their messaging to fans and the way they just kind of conduct themselves. You know, it kind of feels like the friend next door, you know, Xbox as as a brand. And um, yeah, I'm just, it's just, it's just a really, really, really fun time. And I'm really excited to play more. And uh, this game comes out December 8th. So we really don't have that much longer to wait. Which is wild. No, we don't. But we do have a couple questions. Uh, Javin Mather asks, what has been the highest high for you in the Infinite campaign? And what is something that still needs some work? Oh, okay, so the highest high, I would say some of the battles I have found myself in. And I've talked about this. I suck at shooters. I shoot everything but my target. I shoot the ground. I shoot the air. <laughs> like I will nade myself. Like It's just something I do. But once you get into that groove and you have that music playing in your headphones, right? You're you're going between weapons because you can't have one weapon for too long because you run out of ammo. But there's, you know, this like Halo's known for its unique weapons. There's just so many around. And once you really get into some like hairy situations and you're using your grappling hook to pull coils towards you and you're throwing them at enemies or you're grappling up a higher spot and then you're nading or you're detaching a turret and using that to blast down jackals and elite. I think that has just been such a like a heart pounding like badass adrenaline filled moment that uh, I think of that as like holy shit this is awesome also like on the flip side well not the flip side like another awesome thing but a completely different pivot or a completely pivot here is when you're just kind of like I don't say creeping because there's no stealth in Halo Infinite right but you know when you come into a new area and you can hear like the grunts and the elites and the jackals all like bickering amongst themselves and I don't know if I've like talked about this and given it the praise it deserves during this, but 
there are so many unique lines that the banished have that, you know, if it's the grunts talking about, you know, how they're going to defeat the demon when he comes around, and then you have the elites chastising them, and then you have the jackals saying they're going to use the grunts for target practice, and then the one grunt called me, I was dra- trying to drive a warthog, and a grunt said I drive like a big, dumb, stupid rock. And it's just like, you nice. know, it's just the stuff like that that I gives this game so much personality, and there's so many unique lines that have been written for these banished, and they're not repetitive at all. And it just blows my mind. Cause I feel like, you know, was it Mario golf, Andrea, you were talking about how someone just says the same line over and over and over again. Yes. Oh my gosh. Ad nauseum. It was yeah, awful. But you t- I don't know if I've heard the same line delivered twice. It's so it's, that's just so good. Anyway, those are some of my favorite parts so far. Um, low, the something that needs work. I don't know yet. And this isn't me saying this game is perfect by any means, but I don't think I've had enough time with everything that Infinite has to offer um, in order to say like what needs to change. Because right now, everything that I'm experiencing is so new that um, nothing's gotten old yet or has led me to believe that could be problematic. Not saying it can't be, but so far, I'm just really, really happy with everything I've seen. That's great. Now, you kind of already answered Nova's question because I sort of asked it. Does the world seem too big for what's all in there, leaving some dead space between missions and quests? Or do you think they have a pretty good balance going? Yeah, TLDR, good balance. But I did. You're right. I answered this a little earlier. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, Nova. I didn't mean to steal your question. Um, Well, I am hyped. I'm excited. It's coming out in a couple weeks. It sounds like this is going to be the game that maybe I play over the holiday break. Uh, maybe I bring my Xbox Series S on the road with me. Ooh. I play this when I'm visiting my in-laws. Or maybe I play this when I'm home yeah. over over New Year's. Who knows? Maybe this is the key, This is the game that I get to sit down and play since I haven't been really Girl. playing a ton of <laughs> no, stuff. Lately. I know. This is like the one game <laughs> I've actually been able to play in like I feel like a week and a half. And it's so funny. It's like you start playing a video game and you get the serotonin hit. You're like, oh, my God. I'm so. You're like, I used to do this all the time. I'm so happy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, boy. It'll happen again for us one day, Britt. Yeah. One day. <laughs> uh, well, thank you for that in-depth preview. We are pumped to hear more about Halo. And fingers crossed that there's not another campaign co-op delay <sighs> are you gonna play some multiplayer with me mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. i don't know and it's not because not because i don't love you and i mean not the fact that we have like literally zero track record of playing games together in like the six years we've been doing this show or however long it's been. it hasn't been zero we played i was saying like yeah we time. played like one game together <laughs> like go team um that was fun uh i don't know if I, i'm not sure if i'm into the multiplayer like again like i suck so bad at shooters and so whenever i play these modes i get rocked that's why i loved when they were doing that was it the technical test like i feel like a month ago maybe and it was all bots that was glorious because it was like the bots were really good and they kicked my ass, but I was able to play with people. So it wasn't like I was getting like shot all the time by real players and my ego wasn't getting bruised. You yeah. know what I mean? I feel But you. what about you? Are you going to be playing it? Yeah, definitely. I think that it's going to be a nice change of pace from the multiplayer shooters I've been playing. You know, the, the Warzone and Rainbow Six yeah. and Destiny. I think it's going to be a really good you know, palate cleanse as something that is comforting and familiar, but also different. I think that there's inherently some problems with my personal style of gameplay when it comes to Halo. Halo is just such a different, different beast, but it's also great. You know, it's great for what it is. And I'm excited to jump in and and really spend some good time in it. It's going to probably bring back a bunch of memories for me about, you know, the race to get the guns on the specific maps mm-hmm. and the the jumps and the hops and, like, you know, learning everything. Because it's just, I think that to be successful at Halo is just a different style of gameplay. Definitely. What people have really come to know in the Battle Royale <laughs> wave that has happened in the last couple of years. So it'll be interesting to see how popular it remains post-launch when it finally does you know come out of beta so all right well that is going to do it for this week's episode we want to wish everybody a very happy thanksgiving if you're in the united states hopefully you got to spend some time with your friends and family and you gathered around the table 
and thought about what you're thankful for. Yeah. Brittany, I'm thankful for you and for the show and our wonderful community who keeps us going when we think that our tank is empty and will never be full again. And we're exhausted and tired and hungry. And all we want to do is lay on the floor and cry. All it takes is one really thoughtful email or Facebook message, tweet, or five-star review, something with some genuine kindness behind it to pick us back up. And I'm really grateful that people like that exist in our community and are there to pick us up when we're feeling low. Oh, yeah. Like, I'll just word that and say, you know, Andrea and I talk a lot, like, outside of the podcast. And right now, you know, it's, it's a difficult time. We're new moms and we're struggling to keep our child alive, keep our sanity intact, keep a show afloat you know, work on our side hustles, LOLOL, maybe play a video game <laughs> once a week if we're lucky. Um, and I just feel like, you know, the community that rallies behind us is, like you said, they're so understanding and so sweet and so supportive that I feel like we're able to make it work. And uh, I feel like that's really rare. And I'm very thankful for that. Absolutely. Well, enjoy your holiday weekend, everybody. We will be back next week. And until then, see you later. Bye.